Well, all right, all right, all right. This is Will Dick with the Art of Floundering Podcast. Welcome. Peace and love. This is episode two in our countdown to soon slash life following a traumatic injury, traumatic accident. In episode one, we, which was titled No Plan B, we talked about the motivations that prompted me to leave a life I spent, quote, building uh, for almost 30 years and stripping myself from all of it and cashing in on possibility of getting some hope out here in parts unknown Colorado. In this episode, I'd like to talk about the accident. But to put things into context, I'd like to talk about the kind of guy I was before the accident. But before I get into a lot of this, I also want to be, as the kids say, transparent. And what I mean is, I have issues from all this. I'm clearly depressed. There are a lot of things that I need to deal with that I am putting off because I'm just trying to make it to surgery, which is soon, specifically September 26th. I made a mistake in the past and referred to it as September 22nd. Either way, we're like right around the corner. Today's date's the 8th of August. 2022. The day of my accident was the 7th of August 2016. Yesterday was the 6th anniversary of this peachy keen new lifestyle. Note before we do a deep dive. However cynical and dark any of these podcast episodes may get, make no mistake about it, I have a a way of getting through the hard times. And regardless how cynical I may sound, please know that there has never been one moment since this started that I thought that I would get out of this. I know I'm going to find a way. I've never doubted that. I never doubted that there would be some kind of miracle right around the corner. All I had to do was hang in long enough. Before talking about the accident, I'd like to paint a picture, a brief picture, of the kind of guy I was. I wasn't a bad guy, I wasn't a good guy. I was just kind of coasting in life, man. Got divorced in 2008, and uh, I own all this. Ex-wife's a good person, and, and, and so when we were going through the divorce, I was like, okay, I was a bad husband. This is me rationalizing shit. And where I was a bad husband, and I'll touch on this throughout the, the awakenings I have had, is I've tried to deny something about myself. I, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not cut out for doing a lot of things publicly. And, and the path I took, all these were things I thought, I thought I was supposed to do. And unfortunately, in the case of my ex-wife, she was collateral damage in my journey. And I feel horrible for that. But I, that was, it was disingenuous. And I, you know, found out there was a, during the marriage that, geez, I can't change. I just can't change. And anyway, so I committed to be, you know, a decent ex-husband or whatever that means. Which means I didn't argue about anything. I, I took on all the debt. I'm not complaining because uh, I, I, I love my daughter. We both loved our daughter. and Our, our daughter's best interest was core in how both of us behave towards one another. So I paid buku, you know, had joint custody, but I still paid buku. And I'm not complaining. I, I don't complain. I wanted my daughter to be taken care of. You know, it was important to me. 
in addition to that, you know, I had a little bit of a, you know, problem with booze and whatnot. Divorce in 2008, 2010, I quit all that. Sobered up, flew right, so to speak. Now, spent a lot of those years in 12-step programs, and I'm thankful for the help that they gave me. They gave me somewhere to go to help break a pattern, yada, yada, yada. And if 12-step programs work for peop- for individuals, I'm really happy for them. Having said that, I'm not a proponent, and I won't get into those specifically in this particular series, but I am thankful at the same time, I'm not a proponent, you know. I'm grateful for, I'm trying not to slam them on this series, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to do. So turning the corner on all this, while I'm not saying I live like a monk, there would be an occasional, quote, hookup. Those were few and far between. I did not date. I wanted to focus on being a good per- person, be- being a good father, you know, those kind of things. But I was coasting. I was coasting at work. I was in government service. And I had, as far as, you know, quote, levels and pay, I was the highest I could be in the area I was at. If I wanted to go any higher, I had to move. And I always knew that in the back of my head, I wanted to do that because I was achievement oriented. But I had to wait, quote, wait, you know, because I, I didn't want to leave my daughter and, you know, divorce. So I was coasting. So in 2016, I had finally, it, you know, one of the byproducts of my divorce, I own all this, is, a, you know, a severe amount of debt, crushing. Uh, so and I had to pay it all back, but it was via Chapter 13 bankruptcy and foreclosure. I'm fortunate because I was able to pay that, which was a huge amount of money every month on top of, you know, an equal amount in child support that was quite large and not complaining about either. I was fortunate enough that in the job I had, I could pay those things and still, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be a quote baller, but I could still afford a condo and still afford to do things with my kid and stuff. So I was, I counted myself fortunate and I just kind of dug in. And during that time I was paying on that chapter 13, I just was like, this is going to be part of my Zen like program to be a better person. And I just, it was flawed in its approach. I just put it that way. But that's just kind of where I was. I was, quote, working on me and all that. So right around 2016, that chapter 13 finally got paid off in May 2016. Same time, my ex-wife was moving out of state to marry somebody. And my daughter was going to stay with me. I was going to have, you know, full, whatever you want to call it, custody of my daughter uh, for her junior and senior year of high school. I was really excited about that. I was good to be a part of that and see that. And I was able to, you know, another podcast as well. But because I was a good boy and paid everybody off, I was I was still able to get a VA mortgage. So got a brand new house in the burbs and was getting ready to settle in for a perfect little life as I coasted in my comfortable job and and so I was I thought I was really really ready to have some some quote golden years I really did and I also was ready I figured my daughter's old enough now I would not bring anybody around but you know but I would and I I thought I was at a place where I wasn't offering anybody chaos. I could bring something positive. So I was 
getting, you know, I had, I had, you know, tried to date a couple times, but that was something, in fact, the day before the accident, I was with somebody, we are at a dog show, it was cool, you know, so that was kind of the vibe, man, and so that was me in a nutshell, kind of asleep at the wheel. Not everything I was doing professionally was all a compromise. It was, you know, all what I thought I should do. And once again, these are all different podcasts. Okay. It was like, you know, sleep at the wheel, but I, I was good with it. I was like, it was always one day, one day, you know, one day my daughter will graduate high school and go to college. Then I'll do this. Then that will happen. It was always one day right and so um that was that would that would sum it up and as we'll discuss as i go on in this series i was clueless as to who my neighbors were i didn't spend any time getting to know anybody any quote any friendships i had if i didn't have friendships i had acquaintances at work man really i didn't have anybody i hung out with right during this time yeah I just, I would have some conversations at work, and that'd be about it. You know, there'd be the occasional douchebag you'd hang out. No, I'm joking. There was one guy from A's, and I, if he listens, I don't want to offend him. But, you know, there's the AA crowd. But, no, I didn't, you know, I regret that. That's on me. I, that, was, that was how self-centered and all that shit I was in. I've learned a lot. I've missed so much really cool shit because of just apathy. But, anyway, the other thing that was going on, was you know I was uh you know getting ready to do some pretty cool shit I thought I had this I now I didn't think I'd ever I passed a point where climbing something like Mount Everest was a reality a, a physical reality and a financial reality right but there were other ones out there and I was getting ready to you know do the things necessary to do a a, a Mount McKinley uh, climb, so that's you know Denali. I'd rather say Denali. If it, it Denali climb, and to do that, you know, you had to do some volcanoes, and so in in Central America. So I was like, you know, and I had this massive amount of vacation saved up. I was coasting in my job, you, you know, and so I was looking at doing some pretty cool stuff. And in addition, I wanted to run the Marine Corps marathon. I had run half marathons and stuff like that, and but. But I, I thought it'd be cool to say, hey, man, I'm in my 50s and I just finished a Marine Corps marathon. So I was training for that. And uh, the morning of my accident, I, I did this, you know, I did a 10 mile run and like a complete douche. I decided, why not post this, you know, on Facebook and do a little humble brag, you know, bullshit. So, I'm, you know, I wish I could, I, for, I think I deleted that. I wish that, po I got, I wish I could find that post because this is such a demarcation point, this accent, because it's like a dramatic, everything, all that's gone in this accident's when it went away, you know? Well, these things I'm talking about are a, a past life that when this accident happened, I couldn't, couldn't hold on to anymore. But let's get to the day of the accident. So I post this nonsense about my 10-mile run. It was a Sunday, by the way. And uh, um, a lot of this is hard for me to talk about. And a lot of this I don't remember. So please forgive me because I'm going to touch over some things. So we had a, you know, my, my particular job was technical in nature and it was, uh, you know, support in nature and it 
We covered the country. And the group I was responsible for, we had this major national outage. Problem is, we didn't have any staffing, right? I didn't, and, and the one person that could, like, handle these things hadn't, you know, slept in days kind of thing and had to go on vacation. So I came into work that Sunday in order to set up a conference call. That was why I went in. It was easier to do with the help desk and the resources than try to, you know, work it through my cell phone and home Wi-Fi. Okay. Very, but this is a normal thing. I'm just kind of setting this. This, this is a totally, you know. And it was kind of like, it was like I was telling my daughter, yo, I got to go do this for a couple hours. Afterwards, we're going to go out. We're going to go have Thai at this restaurant that we dug for Sunday dinner, right? That was the plan. And so I was in a different office. It was a new office. Not new like they built it, but new as in new to me. And uh, I'm foggy on the details. Well, I can tell you things I didn't, though. But I... uh was attempting to plug something into a power strip and imagine a u-shaped desk that's i call it a credenza another way to describe it is a shelf that's on the desk now one thing well i don't know what happened but i was on my hands and knees plugging in the power strip in the process of getting up i don't remember much i remember bumping into something lunging and then falling and what had happened is that credenza had fallen over and landed on my back. What I can tell you didn't happen is I did not attempt to lift the credenza, then find out that it's too heavy for me to lift, then suddenly try to drop it, but somehow am fast enough in that process to turn around so it could hit me on my lower back. I can say that. Um, but I, I'm foggy on the details. But I was laying face first on the carpet in my office. I thought, oh shit, maybe I pulled a muscle. It hurt like heck. I was able to roll over and kind of use my back elbows to scooch myself to the corner. And I was trying to use as both walls intersecting the corner, both of those as braces I could use to kind of get myself. I was able to get to a sitting position, but I couldn't get myself any higher than that. As mentioned before, this was a 24-hour operation. So there were people there from our help desk that quickly came to the office and they said, you know, Yo, we heard you. We heard this crash and you scream. Do you need us to call you an ambulance? It took me a while. Eventually, I said, yeah. But this entire time, I kept thinking, this can't be serious. This has got to be just a pulled muscle. So, they're asking me if I want painkillers. I'm like, no, no, no. Keep in mind, I had, and I'll talk about this in sub, I had issues in the past with, 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 booze and painkillers and I didn't think this was bad enough I you know I don't want to relapse so I'm like no 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 so they do a ultrasound or an x-ray and I'll never forget this part the emergency room one of the emergency room doctors she was you know I had some previous issues that were legit that were like you know bowel obstructions and stuff and all kinds of 
problems with abdominal surgeries gone awry, you know, in the in in you know 2008 to 2012 period, just 2016. So it had been like four or five years, right? But she knew the struggles I went through, and she also knew the struggles I went through because they had me on all these fucking painkillers and shit, and I, you know, had a hard time like not taking them. Um, but when she told me the nose and, and she goes and, and she described it as a burst fracture, L2, which it, it, compared to this, it you know, that's nothing. OK, this is very early on. This is this is the first bad news. Right. There's this escalates. But this is so I get that it's a burst fracture. And she tells she goes, I feel horrible for you. She goes, I know how hard. You've worked to not have a life where you need pain killers and all these things. And, and you've, you know, struggled. But you've done really well these past couple of years. And now this happened. And she goes, I don't, I haven't seen anybody come back from this injury that's not in chronic pain. I wasn't thinking straight at the time. That didn't set in then. But it's really said it now is it's wrong fucking true, right? This wasn't some hearts and meme. I mean, this like holy shit, she's right. Um, now we'll talk. I'm not. I'm not currently on any uh, painkillers. Talk. Well, I'm on Bup. Um, different podcasts, but I'm open. Whatever works for everybody, man. Okay. Um, for me, um, with this particular injury. I have found that nothing can deal with the pain. And when you go down the path, uh, for me, just for me, but if I was going down the path of the perks and this and that, I would get to a point where they couldn't give me any more. Look, I was, on this injury, I was taking uh, up to six Oxycontin instant release, you know, pills in addition I, you know, I had a fentanyl, it was over, it was a hundred or, or higher, I don't remember anymore, but it wasn't enough, and, and so, you know, it, it there's no, you, you know, this is not this episode, we'll talk about pain management, I'll have doctors on too, but there's, the point is, man, there's no good options, they're all gonna suck, once again, I digress, Please forgive me. A lot of these memories are just rushing to my head right now. And I'm trying to balance this out. I don't want it to be too much information. But I don't want to be too high level and vague at the same time. So, you know, after the doctor told me the news, I was tra- this was a Sunday. And I was transported <clears throat> to a different hospital uh, where they had a, you know, surgeon on call. Now, I understand better now. Keep in mind, I'm, I'm just this horrific injury right and I can't walk and all these kind of things and you know everything's spinning right now my I'm like you know but in the back of my head I'm thinking this is okay because I'm gonna have time to manage this because this happened at work and of course I'm important I'm a senior manager. I've made, you know, I've done a lot of great things for that organization. They love me. And this happened at work. So, of course, you know, I will have the support I need because I started realizing this was going to be a big problem, right? That, that this, you know, that, and even get, there was even worse, but at, 
at this initial phase that the surgery is going to be major, the recovery is going to be major. And what I was having a hard time understanding at OU Medical is why weren't they doing surgery, right? I just didn't understand that. And they discharged me like four days later. And I had a note, you know, don't go to work for two weeks. But I was having massive problems and I kept showing up in their ER. And one time I showed up and, and the the doctor, his nurse practitioner showed up and they were like, you, we don't need to see you. You're fine. You can go. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. They haven't run any tests yet. I didn't understand. Now I do. Long and short of it was, I think, because it happened at work. They didn't really know the details. They just knew, they didn't ask me if I had insurance. They just assumed I was uninsured and didn't, they didn't want to deal with this. Eventually, I, I would get a surgeon. But that was, you know, emotionally what I was going through. It's laughable now because I was like, gosh, you know, I'm not going to be able to run a marathon again. These guys were talking about, we don't think you're going to be able to walk again kind of shit, you know, without all kinds of contraptions and shit, if we're lucky. And so getting discharged from the hospital, being told this, now I'm getting desperate, desperate to get help. And I, you know, I got it pretty quickly. You know, I just used my insurance. And so the day of that back surgery, man, this was, uh, you know, I had, I got after, after the accident, dude, this was about two weeks later after the accident. I got, I finally was getting surgery. And, you know, I remember I, I don't react well to anesthesia. I have a tendency when I, when I come out of anesthesia to act out. And I remember it was the surgical nurse and, you know, the, it, it monitored me as I was coming out of surgery to make sure I was okay. And I was accusing her of giving me syphilis. Anyway, and we'll talk about those surgeries in the next episode. But, the, you know, emotionally what I was going through was how I remember uh, I had just dug myself out of a, a chapter 13, right? I got rid of this condo that I was really happy with, but you know what? I wanted to have a yard and all the fucking bullshit for my daughter's dog since she was going to be there full time, right? And so I had a heavy nut and I had this accident happen to me, but I kept thinking, it's okay. This happened at work. I, they're going to look out for me. I just, I just thought logically, right? You're, you're at work dealing with a national problem. How, however ridiculous the accident, it, you're going to be, they're going to cover you, right? And, uh, but I'm starting to get inklings that this may not be the case. I was on the phone, this, uh, my first foray of it was when I was uh, in the hospital after the accident. I was on the phone with some somebody from Workman's Comp, Federal Workman's Comp, that had called me about my claim and told me about the, the criteria I had to meet. And I said, I think I met them all. And she goes, well, is, she goes, is sitting at a phone uh, you know, sitting at a desk in your job description. I'm like, oh my God, you, are we going to, is this what this is going to be, right? Where if the very nanosecond that you're doing something and they're going to they're gonna play the job. That, so I'm starting to get inklings, right? That this may not be like easy, but I'm like, oh, that's okay. I'll deal with that later. You know, um, keep in mind, I'm going to be, I'm missing a lot of work. I'm missing a lot of work, but that's okay 
because this is going to be workman's comp, you know. Okay, so the accident into the first surgery emotionally, I wasn't, I'll put it to you this way. I, I, I was getting rumblings of some things that sounded odd, like uh, somebody from workman's comp tells me, well, your organization says that you guys have cell phones and laptops and VPN tokens. And, you know, that's, so that's why they have them, so you don't have to be at work during your off hours, right? And I'm like, I'm like thinking, wait a minute here, man. Is this the same organization that that's told people they're going to start shit cannon managers and they don't care if they're working on fucking holidays at work i mean this was the norm i mean what i'm saying is but i started realizing that maybe maybe i'm gonna get thrown under the bus and this was emotionally going into that first surgery but in the back of my head i kind of put it out like nah i'm imagining these things i'm imagining these things so the first back surgery you know they got rods and all this stuff in me. And I know things aren't right from the jump street. For example, after they discharged me, when I would, quote, wake up in the morning, if I wanted to be able to, like, move my right leg at all, I'd have to ice my butt cheeks for about four hours. And then that process would numb me up so I could sort. It was just screwed up. But I also realized I had my work comp case denied. And now I've got a, I've got a back surgery that hasn't gone well. My organization, this is, we're, we're into September slash October, accident in August. All right. So luckily they denied it, but I had enough vacation because I was such a douche. I never took it and, and, and sick time to, to kind of bridge it to a point and we're getting ready to exhaust that point and that's what I was looking at I'm like this first back surgery hasn't gone well my doctor is telling me it's all in my head and uh the organization I work for is is like talking out of two sides from my perspective talking out of two sides of their mouth and once again I knew I was in for a ride when after this back surgery and I'm still in the hospital I received a call from the office of workman's comp and this woman flat out accused me of getting this back injury and then coming into work and staging an accident I'm like you got to be kidding me I mean I you're I, we've got security footage but Take a look at the x-rays, man. You think I could have gotten out of my car to my office? I mean, take a look at the x-rays. You got to be, you could. But I started realizing. But I got that note coming home from that first surgery when I knew it didn't go well. I knew the first surgery didn't go well. And it was going to take a lot longer to recover from if I'm lucky. And I got a letter stating that my workman's comp case is denied. So now I've got the added pressure and I, I own this. I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. If this is, you know, there, there are things I could have done in life to make this better. Okay. And I'll go through all those, but I'm telling you emotionally where I, and how I'm going to end this episode. And this is emotionally where I was at. I was coming out of a back surgery. I knew it didn't go well. My pain was horrendous. I was having to ice my buttocks down. <laughs> I'm laughable. Four hours every morning just to be able to move my legs enough to like put clothes and shit on and, and, and like put a brace on and all this kind of shit. 
and and make where I gotta make it. And the clock is ticking, man. And when I'm out of vacation and I'm out, and that means there's no money coming in. I've got a daughter. I've got this house in the suburbs. I've got this injury now, which is I may be disabled. I, I still refuse to see this at the time. And that's where I was at following this surgery. And we will talk in our next episode. We will talk about getting out of that to the next phase of this. Um, once again, I, I, if any of this was all over the place, this is a very difficult subject for me to talk about. If there's any, uh, you know, questions, uh, Twitter is the best way to contact me. I hope, uh, you know, I don't know if any, I don't know that any of this is useful, but I hope so. Um, once again, man, life is very, very good. You know, all these things, I've made peace with them. I'm just going through it all again. It's all good. We're going to get this soon, and we're going to increase the overall level of peace and love in our community. From Parts Unknown, Colorado, this is Will Dick from the Yard of Flounder Podcast, wishing each and every one of you nothing but peace and love.